conclusion inevitable. It was a jump to conclusions, Matt. My conclusion was that this idea was not a practical deterrent. My only conclusion can be that it was a Sith Lord. In conclusion. Hello there, folks. Welcome back to In Conclusion, the only movie podcast hosted by two mice who have fallen into a bucket of cream. However, in this metaphor, neither of us are the second mouse. We both drowned. I'm Dan O'Keefe, and joining me as always is Anna Otto. Anna, how are you today? The way my mouth is agape. Dan, I am nothing if not climbing on top of the butter. My little mouse legs have churned. (laughs) I'm good. I I am drinking the cream up, honestly. (laughs) No. (laughs) There's this one TikTok that's like... um. saw puzzles that i would survive because i'm built different yeah. is one, and one of them is like if he's trying to drown me by pouring water into a helmet i just drink all the water yeah. <laughs> that's what that made me think of i'm sorry that's not that funny but it's funny to me that's me with milk you're correct you're 100 correct oh anyway now let's, just, now let's just sit let's just sit in the cream hmm creamy you okay i'm I, done with this i will say i am depressed because i could have been watching a musical and yet i wasn't oh the musical version of this movie mm-hmm. okay. i saw it on tour congrats do you want to know whenever i watch the first captain america movie and at the end he runs into Times square there's a billboard for catch me if you can is there like, really yeah live in living color Anyway, um, yeah, it's a Christmas movie. We're talking about a Christmas movie. It's the, the Christmas season. When you said that's a Christmas movie, I was like, Dan, no, it's not. But it was. I was, this is, I was surprised. Like, it, it's not an out and out Christmas movie. Like, no. Christmas with the Cranks, which was the first one that came oh, to my mind is. I love that um, that's the first thing that came to your mind. But if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, this is more of a christmas movie than die hard is this is like, about the same level of christmas as gremlins right yeah i think it's like there are a bunch of pivotal emotional moments that happen because of christmas time and the christmas season yeah and i think a big a big thing with all good christmas movies um or i guess most good christmas movies because the movie we're talking about next week doesn't totally fit with this but they are wistful like incredibly mm-hmm. wistful and like mm-hmm. dreaming of a past that uh, either their childhood or some cultural past that didn't exist. And yeah. that it, this movie is whist. It is full of whist. Um, I have a phrase to say to you, and it was something that I said to gauge It's not, has nothing to do with being wistful. Okay. But maybe it does. Does the phrase, don't turn 25, you're too hot, mean anything to you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, don't turn 25. You're so hot. hot. Um, I (laughs) was watching this movie, and I kept going, damn, Decap really used to be so fine. And Gage is like, you're too old for him now. (laughs) I was (laughs) like, oh, don't turn 25. I was telling my mom about that this morning, and she was horrified. I was like, Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's gross, Mom. It's gross. Uh, do you want to know a fun fact? Yes. Uh, so, of the women that Leonardo DiCaprio is, it, like, dating in this movie, mm-hmm. um, all of them were older than 25 while filming. He was repulsed, I'm sure. I know. What was he, I'm 28? Sure. Uh, so... I mathed the math. I think he was 28. He's currently... 40, not 48, 48 and this, this came morning. out 20 years ago. So, yeah, he was 28. So yeah. I, I bet he was repulsed. Um, I realized <laughs> we have Sorry. not said the name of the movie yet. Oh, and if people mean... don't read the titles when they click on their podcasts, they might not know what we're talking about. Obviously, we're talking about What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Oh, <laughs> I love that movie. Did you just see me die? Yeah, I mean, the musical version of it is great. What's eating Gilbert Gray? It's actually um, Gilbert walks on stage and cries for two hours. That's the whole What's musical. What's eating me? I love that movie. Because never seen trash. it. You've never seen it? No. God damn, Dan. <laughs> Decap was <laughs> nominated for an award. I know he was. You know what he wasn't nominated for an award for? This, this a travesty yeah um, i still really haven't said the name of the movie it's catch oh. me if you can live in living color <laughs> uh catch oh. me if you can directed by steven spielberg mm. and you can feel it screenplay by jeff nathanson who also wrote speed two no rush hours two and three what's with these cars uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the story at least. Mm. Tower Heist. I don't know her. Pirates of the Caribbean 5. Is that at World's End? No, that's Dead Men Tell No Tales from oh, 2017. Um, oh, shit, I forgot about that one. And the 2019 Lion King. So, man, mm. he really has one good movie. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just take a second to remember that this is a John Williams film, and since my wedding is going to be John Williams music themed, mm-hmm. there will be a Catch Me If You Can table. I told Put Gage yesterday that, that I'm going to seat you at that table. Put yeah. me at that table, please. I want to. Well, I want to enter your wedding to the um, opening credit song, kind of like sneaking in and only walking as the musical stings going. So mm-hmm. I'm just like prowling in. It's so freeform. <laughs> right? I love it. Um, based on the novel, Catch Me If You Can, I'll say novel because, oh boy, is this not historically accurate, by Frank Abagnale Jr. and Stan Redding. Um, starring Leonardo DiCaprio as Frank Abagnale Jr., Tom Hanks, Christopher... This is an all-star cast. It's star-studded. I was literally telling my mom about this this morning. Yeah, you got Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, Christopher Walken, Martin Sheen, Amy Adams, James Brolin, um, Ellen Pompeo, briefly. She has one line, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Banks, Jennifer Garner. You got the whole gang's all here. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I feel like there's somebody else. I can go through the entire cast. I did say Elizabeth Banks. Okay, never mind. I think that's who I was thinking of. Okay. Leonardo DiCaprio again. Leonardo DiCaprio's piercing blue eyes. Leonardo DiCaprio's long hair wig. Oh, that 
disgusted me. My gag <laughs> reflex immediate. Um, music, as you said, by John Williams. King John Williams. Long may he reign. Uh, cinematography. The I lost Whoa. the words there. I'm sorry. You. I'm just thinking of Johnny Boy. Um, I understand. Cin- Cinematography by Janis Kaminsky, who has been Spielberg's uh, longtime cinematographer mm. since Schindler's List. Ooh, I've been wanting, I've never seen that. I've been wanting to watch it, but I'm scared. It is that I will cry heavy. for the whole night. It's heavy. I'm not including that at my wedding, sorry. I know that's one of John Williams' big ones, but I will not be including Schindler's you're not, List. You're not going to have a Schindler's List table at your wedding? No. Too that sad. is probably a good idea. Too sad. I'm gonna sit the people I don't like at that table. <laughs> oh boy. Um, invite. Released on December 25th, 2002. So we're in 12 days from the time we're recording this, the 20th anniversary. I was seven. Oh, gross. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot for a second that I was 27 years old. <laughs> <sighs> With a budget of $52 million, it made $352 million at the box office. Mm-hmm. A pretty penny. Indeed. On Rotten Tomatoes, 96% approval rating. As it should. With help from a strong performance by Leonardo DiCaprio as real-life wonderkind con artist Frank Abagnale, Spielberg crafts a film that's stylish, breezingly entertaining, and surprisingly sweet. Sorry, it, I was thirsting in my head about decap again. Breezy. Breezy is a good way to describe it. It's a breezy movie. You don't get sad when he has to leave Brenda? No, not when he has to leave Brenda. I kind of oh. I get sad for him when he goes to his mom's new house and sees his half-sister. That too, but I'm not as sad as I am when he has to leave Brenda. The first or second time? Both times. Big big Roger Ebert, three stars out of four. Thumbs up. Okay, okay, okay. I'll take it. At the Oscars, it was nominated for two awards. Mm -hmm. uh, Christopher Walken for Best Supporting Actor and John Williams for Best Original Score. They really snubbed Decap. Not even a nom. Right? Damn. Or Tom Hanks. Damn. The nominees for Best Actor this year. Adrian Brody in The Pianist. Okay, that's fair. I heard that's a good one. Nicolas Cage in Adaptation. Mm. Michael Caine in The Quiet American. Uh, Michael Caine. Daniel Day-Lewis in Gangs of New York. Ugh, he probably won, didn't he? And Jack Nicholson in About Schmidt. No, Adrian Brody won. Oh, well, good, because I don't really like Daniel Day-Lewis. We have beef. I what? don't like method actors, okay? That's fine. They rub me wrong. Uh, hopefully not. Watch my left foot one time, and it was terrible. Yeah, why don't you watch like There Will Be Blood or an entertaining also, movie? The only Daniel Day Lewis movies I've seen are My Left Foot and Lincoln. So that's probably <laughs> why I don't like him. Oh uh, boy. Oh, I saw Lincoln in theaters with my grandparents. Did you age up to their age while watching it? <laughs> I only wanted to see it because Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in it. Oh, boy. <laughs> the thirst knows no <laughs> bounds. 
The nominees for Best Supporting Actor, Ed Harris in The Hours. My mm-hmm. mom thinks he's so attractive. Okay. Um, Paul Newman in Road to Perdition. John oh, C. Riley in dressing. Chicago. <gasps> Mr. Cellophane. Mm-hmm. Christopher Walken in Catch Me If You Can. And then the winner, Chris Cooper in Adaptation. Mm. Adaptation's a good movie. Okay. I've never seen it. And Best Original Score. The nominees, Far From Heaven, The Hours by Philip Glass. There's a Philip Glass soundtrack that's nominated here. Road to mm. Perdition, Catch Me If You Can, which lost to Frida. Who did Frida? Elliot Goldenthal. That's not, that's not John Williams. No, but he did the music for Pet Cemetery, the original one. I'll let it slide, barely, but he's on thin <laughs> ice. Um, and as you may know from Anna's singing, this was adapted into a musical. Five in living color. The woman who plays Brenda on the original Broadway track, she fly, fly. Right home again, my baby. Oh, it's not good. That is Terry Butler. She did not impress me. She was the original Penny in Hairspray. That reads. She was also in Rock of Ages and Mean Girls. Who was she in Mean Girls? Uh, she played Miss Norbury. Oh, I'm going to have to do some more extensive research and I'll get back to you on my opinions. But I did not like her singing the song from Catch Me If You Can. Well, let's stop talking about the musical. Because I don't want to. Let's talk about Whoa. the movie instead. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's dive uh, in. Damn. Yeah. Yes. It opens with your favorite thing in the world. The DreamWorks logo? A game show. (laughs) Well, almost. It opens with the Saul Bass-inspired opening titles. Oh, yeah, I guess the title. And the John Williams. The the jaunty, light jazz John Williams score. Different from his usual work. Usually his stuff is so orchestral and big. Yeah. He really adapted for this movie. It works so well. John Williams, unmatched. John Williams is king, and that's why my wedding will literally be John Williams (laughs) music-themed. You're invited to the wedding of Anna Otto and John Williams. Oh, my God, literally, I love him. But, yes, the movie does open with a game show, a recreation, almost a recreation, the... Clips of the panelists and the host are from the original episode of To Tell the Truth. Uh, but the act, Leonardo DiCaprio and the other two people are new. Whoa, wait. Was the actual Frank Abagnale Jr. on To Tell the Truth? Yeah. Oh, so that was from the episode he was on. That's from the episode, yes. Got it, got it, got it. I was confused when you said that just now. Yeah. I could tell. I... It's been a long day, Dan. (laughs) Um, So on the game show, he is introduced as basically the highfalutin criminal that he was. He was he impersonated an airline pilot, a lawyer and a doctor scammed millions of dollars all before the age of 19. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It is The, the confidence that that man had. 
as a child. So it's true. 17 year olds, they think they're, uh, what's the word? They're on, um, hot shit. Yeah, that's the one. Mm You are breathing so loud into the microphone. I'm so sorry. That's just my nose. I'll tilt it down. Is that better? (laughs) Probably. Just so excited. I was thinking about Leonardo DiCaprio's arms in this movie. You know, I watched another movie right before I watched this Mm -hmm. that also had Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Sheen in it. Did you say the fucking Revenant? Oh, wait. No, I didn't watch the Revenant. I love the Revenant. I know. And you told me that Will Poulter's in it. Yeah. So and now Tom I have Hardy. to watch it against my will, because he's hot. Everyone that all the sexy men are in it. <sighs> Domhnall Gleeson's in it too. The guy from About Time. It's not. You're not. The guy from Ex Machina. No, just give up, okay. Dan. I'm I I gave up long ago. Don't watch you don't it. have to worry. Um, we're then introduced to 1969 Carl Hanratty, Tom Hanks, uh, attempting um, to extradite Frank Abagnale Jr. from prison, a French prison. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Yeah, where he looks Frank, disgusting. Yeah, he is in a pit. Basically, he is sick. Um, he gets. He goes to be given medical attention, but in that he tries to escape. Um, He gets caught because he's ill, and then he tells Frank to take him home. And then we flash back to New Rochelle, New York, 1963. Mm, The ideal place to live. If you're a white man. Yes, exactly. I mean... (laughs) New, New Rochelle in the 50s and 60s is like the the white person fantasy that all those racist annoying traditionalist people on the internet are like we need to return to tradition and that's what they're thinking of those are called neck beards dan yeah but it's also the people who are like i want i want to i want a trad wife she can't leave the house no you know what else is set in new rochelle in the 50s and 60s what the dick van dyke show did I stutter? Is that not a white man? No, you're right. It is very white. I'm just saying it fits. No shade fits. to Dick Van Dyke. I'm pretty sure he's rather liberal. It, he was a vocal Bernie Sanders supporter in 2020. So we like to see from King Dick. I want to. Uh, could you repeat the name you just gave him? Yeah. King Dick. Is that not his name? It, it is his birthday. So it's birthday, King Dick, today. Shut up, it's his birthday today? It's his birthday, it's his 97th birthday. Oh my goodness, happy birthday, Dick Van Dyke icon. One day, we'll review every episode of the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh my god, I'll have to, my mom will probably want to be a guest for that. (laughs) We're doing them individually. Ugh, Ugh, I'm tired already. Uh, So, at the New Rochelle Rotary Club... Frank's dad, Frank Abagnale Sr., is being inducted in, as an honorary lifetime member. I have a question. Is it yes. Rotary Club for guns? No, Rotary Club is basically the rich people in a town get together and decide to do, decide to have luncheons, basically, and also give to charity. Oh. Okay, I definitely thought it was some sort of sporting club. Interesting. Thank yeah. you for clarifying. 
No, they're basically just wealthy social clubs that you need to be invited to. Um, Dumb. I went when I was in high school. They do these conferences for high school students. Basically, you have to be nominated for called the Rotary Youth Leadership Award Conference. I was given some. I don't know who nominated me for this. I don't know why I was nominated for this, but they you, you give they, the air of a wealthy person. That's it. That's one hundred percent it. Uh, I. Mm-hmm. I drop dollar bills from my pockets and go, whoopsies. Uh-huh. Anyway. Um, and they have these retreats for high school students to go on. And I went on it and it was like kind of enjoyable, but also it was just some leadership retreat that I was 18 years old and with a broken ankle. And I was like, I don't want to be here. Oh, God. Um, but we had to give a presentation of like what we did at the retreat at an actual Rotary Club meeting. And me and the three other people that I went with from my high school brought mm-hmm. the average age, the average age was brought down probably by 20 years by us being there. Mm-hmm. Yep, That's that makes the, sense. It is a it is a nearing retirement age rich person club. Woof. No, yeah. thank you. No, I'm like, yes, please. Dan, that's because you're nearing retirement. Hopefully. Maybe one day. <laughs> oh, no, don't. We can't dream about that. It'll never happen. Um, so Frank idolizes his father. Like, yeah, to a unhealthy degree, almost. Um, and it's his dad gives a speech about these two mice that fall into a bucket of cream. One drowns. The other turns it into butter. He says he's the second mouse. When he started telling this story, it was like. A memory that I'd repressed <laughs> came back up in me. Because I was like, dear God. Because I've seen this movie before, but not in a long time. And mm-hmm. same with the musical. I listen to music, but I haven't like seen the show in a long time. Yeah. And I was like, dear God. This just opened a part of me I forgot existed. <laughs> yeah. What? So do you have any idea when you first saw this? Mm, I saw the musical first. Okay. I didn't know it was a movie. Fake fan. Yes, I am a musical theater girly. <laughs> we all know that. And then I think it was just on TV one time, and I watched it with my mom. Mm-hmm. Now I don't. I could not give you a year, but I definitely knew. So Gage was making fun of me because Aaron Devate, who played Frank Abagnale Jr. in the musical, yeah, I knew him from Next to Normal. Mm-hmm. And Norbert Leo Boots Butts, I think it's Butts. I always say Butts. I hope that's right. I knew him from Wicked. Okay. So I was like, I like these guys, so I'm gonna give this musical a shot. And then I liked it, and then I watched the movie, and that's the story of me discovering Catch Me If You Can. Wow. Mine really not is thrilling. mine is not like that. I sorry. Watched it on TV. It was on TV. It was on TV. All the time. Yeah. Like all the time. I don't, it, at least once a week on it, like ABC oh, Family or something. Okay, there we go. This is such uh, an ABC Family weekend movie where they're just showing stuff. Um, yeah. So I had seen this in bits and pieces uh, a dozen times, probably. Never the whole, the whole thing through until like four years ago when I was like, I really enjoy watching all the bits and pieces of this. I said, watch the full movie. And then I watched the full movie and I was like, hot damn. 
Would you think this is a family-friendly movie, minus yes. the sex scenes? Actually, so I was thinking about that while watching it last night, because my immediate reaction is yes. Mm-hmm. But then, after having watched everything and totally forgetting about the prostitute scene, the Amy Adams trying to eat Leonardo DiCaprio's face, um, all of that, I still think it is family friendly. And but, I mean, there is mention of an abortion. Yes. Yeah. Oops. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, but it, it not, there is nothing graphic or gratuitous, really. No, there's no there's no nipple. Unfortunately. We get to see Leonardo DiCaprio's piercing eyes, which should garner a PG-13 rating anyway. Yeah. Which but. some people consider nipples of the face. The eyes are the nipples of the face. Yeah, some people say they're the windows to the soul. I say they're the nipples of the face. I love that. That's mm-hmm. poetic, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know. I was just wondering about it because I feel like when I saw it, I was in high school. But I was like, is this a baby? Mo- or not a baby movie. Sorry. Is this, <laughs> is this a baby movie for babies? <laughs> Is this a baby movie? No, um, like I was like, is this a kid-friendly movie? I can't decide. So I was just curious what you were thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so one day Frank's dad wakes him up and he takes him and he cons him into getting a suit, and he has Frank play his driver into New York City, where the manager of Chase Manhattan Bank opens the door for him. Maybe yeah, I did not get that. <laughs> I don't think he actually did. I think the branch manager was just opening the door and he timed it like that. Yeah, I think so, too. He I mean, we all know he clearly like played into um, Frank Jr.'s fantasy about like his dad being this icon in the city. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And he's a he's a bullshitter. He is a he's mm-hmm. a, a small time con man. He teaches Frank the necklace thing. But he, Which he I would never able fall to... for. I've never seen that in my life. Do not put I that on be... my neck. Literally, I'd I be like, you. that's from the street. That's somebody else's necklace that was dropped in the road. It is not mine. Also, it must sorry, have slipped Justin. right off your neck. It didn't. It slipped off somebody else's. Get how off. loose do you think? How loose do you think I wear my necklaces, you whore? Literally. Do you think I just have a thin head and it slid over my head (laughs) wrong this fat melon nothing gets through amen um but frank idolizes his dad basically even though his dad is a tax cheat and they have to move from their nice house to a small apartment which is still a very nice place yeah it was not a bad place i mean they're not in the road, not what they're club. accustomed to. You can't. Um, I have a question for you. Okay. Gage told me that he thought that in the scene where Frank's mom spills some wine on the ground, mm-hmm. that when they're showing it on the actual ground, it's because he was imagining that the parents dancing was like what was happening, but in reality, the dad was beating the mom, and that's why they showed the wine on the ground, and it was like her blood. What do you think? No, Jesus, I don't believe that at all. Oh, okay. Gage was Gage was reaching. He felt no, like I I don't th- I don't think there's anything in the text or the subtext to imply that they have an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that 
she cheats on him because he's a bullshitter and she gets tired of that and cheats on him with the Rotary Club guy. But I don't think there's any like abuse or anything. Oh, I would also think like that he was a shitty guy, but I wouldn't be like. He's all bark and no bite. So if anything, he would just be yelling. Yeah, I don't know. He's uh, yeah. Okay. I was just curious what you no, thought. No, it's fine. Gage has a lot of ideas, and we can shoot down all of them because he refuses to come on here and defend himself. All right, Gage. Listen up. Dan's shooting down your ideas <laughs> left and right. Throw some more. I'll poke so many holes in them. This kite's never getting off the ground. Woof. Um, so, as I said, his mom, his French mom, she's French. Did I mention she's French? Is having oui. an affair. With Jack Barnes. Literally, ew. The guy from the Rotary Club. Jack Barnes, played by James Brolin. Whose son, oh, Josh Brolin. You. Did you see the little... Did you see I the did. Dogs turning? We, I was like, it's all Thanos. No, we mentioned this a couple episodes ago because yeah. he's married to Barbara Streisand. That's right! Yes. Barbara Streisand... Is Jeff Brolin Thanos' stepmom? Stepmom, not mom. Stepmom. I love that. I love that energy. Josh Brolin's mom's name was Jane. Okay. That's it. All right. That's all there is. But, okay, Jane. Uh, but his parents are getting a divorce. He has to Very choose. Sad. Frank. Frank has to choose between one of the two of them. Also, I skipped over the part where he goes from a private school to a public school and then he impersonates a French teacher for a week and he only gets noticed when he starts planning a field trip. Honestly, iconic. Like, he should have kept at it. Right? I want this to turn into a, um, uh, what's the name? Not Goodwill Hunting. Uh, what's the school movie with Robin Williams that we talked about? We did the, we covered this movie. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. My oh, brain Captain, is saying, oh, brother, where art thou? <laughs> <laughs> um, 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 the super gay one. Um, 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 um. <laughs> Oh, my God, I'm having a brain fart. It is! I will say that every single time, because it no, was homoerotic. You're, right. you're right, and I wish it had, I wish this, we could see that movie, but with Leonardo DiCaprio lying about being the teacher the entire time, and just bullshitting wow. his way through. I love that. Um, Dead Poet Society. There we oh. go. Thank you. I Dead Poet Society. All of my energy. All of my energy. Uh, so Frank has to decide whether he wants to live with his mom or his dad. And instead of doing that, he runs away from home. That's terrible. They shouldn't have made a child choose. I mean, I know he's 17, but like, they come Don't on, they dude. normally do that? I thought they had the parents choose. I think it depends on the age. True. I don't know. It just seems cruel and unusual. I think that it should be a game of chance. What? Like, you have to play fraps with your parents. And whoever oh. wins gets to keep you. Dear God. <laughs> I'm good. You know, I'm glad I'm an adult and I don't have to worry about these things. Uh, so Frank cons his way into a boarding house in New York, but he gets kicked out because his checks are bouncing. Mm, that part was sad, too. Yeah. 
But then he notices some pilots and stewardesses checking into a hotel. So he cons his way into getting a Pan Am uniform. He gets some outlandish ideas. Outlandish. Pretends to be a college student doing research on Pan Am to get the information from its top brass. And then, most importantly for his future, he makes fake checks from Pan Am, which he can cash at banks and hotels all over New York. I just have so many questions about how people didn't notice that these were fake, you know? I mean, if you can print, it, it was also the 60s. So That's true. You're right. The technology was not as advanced, and there wasn't mm-hmm. instantaneous communication between bank branches, like as uh, Tom Hanks's character says, Yeah, because of where he has them located and it they yeah. take weeks to get back to where they actually say they're from and people notice that they're frauds for me i guess it was because like he's taking the stickers off of fake like model airplanes mm-hmm. how does that not look fake sticker i don't know people aren't paying that close of attention i got so many questions <laughs> i need to talk to actual frank abagnale Everyone in the 60s was drunk and their vision was blurred by cigarette smoke. So you're right. You're right. That makes it all probably good enough. You're right. Um, So he then tries to run the scam at an airport because he has been late at the hotel. They can't cash the check yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the airport, he gets asked if he's are you my deadhead? And I. I melt. Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he is the deadhead. He flies across the country. Here he flies from New York to Miami. Mm -hmm. Scams his way through. uh, Jumping puddles, just trying to earn his keep. Also, he never says he's a pilot. He says he's a co-pilot this entire time. Yeah, he never, I don't know. He just, he makes a lot of money, it seems, makes a lot of money. Yes. Well, he literally makes a lot of money. He's crafting the money himself from scratch. Um, And while on his first flight, or after his first flight, he has his first sexual experience with Ellen Pompeo. He he, not realize that was her. He discovers Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) oh dan i did not realize that was her i'm googling it right now yeah that's her i was watching and i was like i think that's her oh yeah now i'm looking at her and i'm like how did i miss it (laughs) Um, yeah i yeah oh i found a picture of her with him he's so fucking fine back in the day oh my gosh put it away put it away sorry sorry we're recording Don't turn 25. You're so pure. You're so hot. I have a month. Oh. You're um, 26 already, aren't you? Or 24. No, Wait, are you 25? Yeah. <gasps> no, I have a month. Oh, thank God. Because I, Jester, I literally was Googling, or not Googling, I was mathing. I was like, do I still have time to tell Dan, don't turn 25, you're so hot, or have I missed my, my opportunity? <laughs> and Gage was like, Anna. And I was like, I've got to look. Jester. Hang on. Sorry. Jester's telling me too. She's being a brat. She's being a sassy brat. She's been having a lot of issues since Gage is gone at night. Mm-hmm. 
uh, as a I single mother. Hey, Jester. <laughs> Thank you. She doesn't like when mom thirsts for other men. Okay. Um, <laughs> FBI agent Carl Hanready starts tracking this new paper hanger. Um, and he tracks him to a hotel in Los Angeles. I double checked. I double checked where that hotel apparently is or was is where a Radisson is now. Ooh, not the Ooh. Radisson. No, not a Radisson, a Ramada. Oh, Ramada in West Hollywood. Fancy. Whoa. I biked past it today and I thought, in WeHo, mm. right? In is that WeHo. What you call it? That's in right. WeHo. You'd fit right in. Thank you. I'll be at the Air Juan if you need me. Uh, but at this hotel where Frank is staying, he tricks Carl into thinking that he's a Secret Service agent named Barry Allen. The way I cackled. Gage is like, ha ha, the flash. Of course. He knew. He knew right away. <laughs> um, and this is where they first meet and interact. And that's where, honestly, that's where Frank has his first flaw. Because A, he shows his face, and B, he says Barry Allen. But he also is so confident and cocky. Yeah. Like, he's beyond. He's also just so lucky, because if his friend hadn't been walking outside with another man, he would have right? been screwed in two seconds. Right? He, I mean, that's the thing, though. He's a bullshitter. He could come up with a different excuse. That's just the that's one true. that was top of mind and it worked out for him but he could have said like your two ladies already gone yeah he's not here you missed him i wonder what it would be like to be that confident have the confidence of a 17 year old white male you know what i mean can Mm -hmm. you can you expound upon that as having Uh, been one yeah having been a 17 year old white male uh especially one who um did high school theater not due to acting talent Mm-hmm. But due to love of attention and mm-hmm. also being taller than everybody else. So mm-hmm. I would always get cast. Um, you're pretty confident. Mm. You are pretty, pretty confident. Dang. <laughs> Couldn't be. Jester is upset. Yeah, I know. She's like, I'm not that. I'm a girl. I'm also <laughs> furry. What? She's got fur on her. She's not white. Ow, she's trying to bite my toes. Anyway. (laughs) Anywho. I I, I do enjoy the chaos that happens when you record. Dan, I I tried so hard to not have chaos tonight, everyone. I'm so sorry. I'm a Um, single mother. It's hard. So, Frank then moves. Well, before he moves, he finds out that he's the James Bond of the sky and then buys... uh, James Bond suit and Aston Martin. Well, they call him the Skyway Man. Skyway Man. Yeah, Skyway Man. (laughs) Don't you think that guy from Pan Am would have put two and two together that the guy who was interviewing him might be the Skyway Man trying to like. No. Why would you? If Frank, if you have every reason to believe that he is a high school student. Why would you I guess you're believe right. that he is the Skyway Man? Because I don't trust anyone, Dan. I I trust everyone. Not me. It's because you're a white man. Probably. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I'm just saying. Maybe um, it's because I watch a movie and I'm, I'm having one of those moments where I'm shoveling chips into my mouth going, I'm smarter than that. I can do that. <laughs> 
So then at a hotel that he's staying at, he runs into Cheryl Ann, Jennifer Garner. Um, she had like a five second scene in this movie. She did. But she's a prostitute and he hooks up with her. Well, it'd be like that sometimes. Right. Good for mm-hmm. them. Good for both of them. Make that cash. She is a sex worker getting that bread. Um, but she's not even. I thought she was just some random lady. No, she I, she was a prostitute. Oh, okay. Because she made him pay $1,000 for anything. I thought she was just trying to get that bread. Hmm. Either way. Good for her. Good for her. So he then is trying to reunite his parents. So he invites his dad to a fancy oh, restaurant and so gifts misguided. him a Cadillac, right? Yeah. His dad doesn't have the heart to tell him that it'll never happen. So he like allows him to keep believing this. This Ugh, fantasy he that he should have told the truth. Good thing he does at the beginning of the movie when he's on the game show. <laughs> to tell the truth. Is that, is that what the announcer sounds like? Yes, in my mind, absolutely. Um, he can't take the the Cadillac from him because the IRS are watching. But he is he does seem proud of his son. He does. He's like crying. I was like, mm-hmm. my god. I don't know. I like he thinks his son's earning an honest living, but no, his son is literally walking in his footsteps, being a con man. Yeah, just doing it better. True. Uh, so then on Christmas Eve, Carl's working in the FBI office. Melekalikimaka is a We currently in my office have a giant poster of a beach and Santa's paddle boarding on it. And I think of that every single time I look at the poster. Merry Christmas from the marketing department. Frank calls the FBI office uh, and apologizes to Carl for tricking him. Um, Dares him to meet Carl. Dares him to meet face to face. Gives him his location and room number. Carl doesn't believe him. Um, and he realizes why he's calling. Frank has no one else to talk to. It's sad. Truly. It is sad. Um, Frank then hangs up. Carl keeps working. Very happy. And he gave him the real room number that he was staying at. He's cocky. He wants to be caught. Like a serial killer, always returning to the scene of the crime. Yeah, but nobody died because of him. No, no, no. I said to Gage, I was like, "Is this like kind of harmless?" Considering the real victim was the government, right? The government and Pan Am, maybe. Yeah. Oh no! Darn not, corporation. Not Pan American Air Airlines. What will they ever do? Um. Not and exist then at- anymore. At a diner, uh, Carl is working, and a pimply-faced teenager comes up to him. He's not actually pimply-faced. I just like to describe teenagers like that. Uh, it knocks them down a peg. That's uh, fair. And he explains that The Flash is a comic book character. Hilarious. He's a goddamn kid. Comic books. He reads comic, comic books. My God. I bet Tom Hanks had a great time doing that accent the entire movie. Do you think he took the typewriter from this movie? Yes. I think so, too. I was asking Gage that question. I was like, I know Tom Hanks collects them. I'm wondering if he took the typewriter that we are currently looking at Leonardo DiCaprio typing on. I don't think he took every typewriter from the movie, but I think he would take the good ones. 
Yeah, any of them that like are in good condition, I think he was like, I'll take that. I'll take that and a side of rice. Hey, bud. Uh, so then Frank moves to down south in Georgia. Mm. But before he moves down there, um, Frank visits his mother, Frank's mother. Mm-hmm. Or Carl visits Frank's mother, who's now remarried to Jack Pons. I'm trying to say it like she says it. She's My husband, very... Jack Pons. She's French, Dan. You gotta say it like a French woman. She's from a town where they did not even have Sara Lee. Take yourself. I'm the one officer who was trying to reach out. <laughs> trying to grab a fork. <laughs> entire scene. That's me. The two officers that he is. There is so much. I think if you had to peg this into one genre, this is a comedy. I agree. I was um, going to say the same thing. It's such a. It, it's. But there are no like set up punchline jokes. The only one that there is was when he get, tells a knock knock joke. <laughs> like knock knock who's there go fuck, go fuck yourself. yourself yeah <laughs> i laughed i'll have you know i chuckled but at one point when they're um before he he goes into the motel he's like just do your jobs and then afterwards i'll get you a good humor bar and then later in the scene where they are driving away both of them have ice cream bars do they really yeah i didn't even notice that i love that <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, Carl tells Frank's mom that after she's like, oh, boys need money here. I'll pay you back. It's probably not that much. Um, he's defrauded the government of about $1.3 million. Hey, Dan. Hey, My microphone changed. It unplugged. I have no idea when it unplugged, so we might have to just use the recording audio from this. Okay, that's fine. I'm so sorry. I'm having That's a fine. little bit of a rough time tonight. <laughs> no, you're good. Like the the audio that we're getting from this is clear. So okay, good. That's a lot easier for me because I don't have to edit the parts together. I could just whoop. okay. Phew. Sorry for interrupting. Okay. Anyway, back. No, to... you're good. Oh my chaotic night. Uh, but now Frank has moved down south, the land of at this time Governor Jimmy Carter. Oh, Georgia. on the peanut farm, right? Mm-hmm. I need to double check exactly when he was governor. Hmm. But I do believe that this would have been the time. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. He was a Georgia state senator at this time. He became governor mm. in 1971. Um, Georgia state senator Jimmy Carter. And his peanuts. And his testicles. No, he lived on a <laughs> peanut farm. <laughs> You know that both he and his wife are still alive. I don't really think much about former President Jimmy Carter, but... Say his name correctly, please. Former President Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Uh, Jimmy Carter. Mr. Beauregard, I do declare... Mm. I do declare... crack a window, this flower's wilting. Do you know where that's from? I don't. King of the Hill. Anyway. Of course it is. Uh, Frank impersonates a doctor in Georgia. He's Dr. This part Frank gives Thomas. me the ick. This part gives me the ick. It's scary to me. This is a so, literal... Tra- he, he. It's giving Doogie Hauser. It's mm-hmm. giving... But Doogie Hauser was a doctor. I know. It's giving medical malpractice. It's giving yes. people could have died. Yes, they could have. And I think he realizes that. Because... Mm-hmm. 
he he is the supervising doctor for the night shift um and he falls in love with brenda who is amy adams oh they're a cute couple uh-huh do you know how old amy adams was at the time of filming well, you said they're all older than 25, so I'm going to say she was 26 because she was a 28-year-old Amy Adams. Really? She was yeah. so cute and young. Right? Oh, my God. I mean, she's always been beautiful. She's always beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I, she just looks so little in this movie. So he impersonates a doctor, and then on one night shift, uh, he has to, he, uh, well, he's in the middle of macking with Amy Adams. Um, this is the part where I was like, when he held her after she had a meltdown, I was like, oh, Gage, turn the AC on. Oh, I was I was Ooh. talking about the part where he gets called in because a kid had a bike accident. And oh, his leg I was is all skipping bloody ahead. I'm sorry. I was skipping um, ahead. But basically, I think that's where he realizes, oh, shit. Yeah, because he runs to the bathroom this. and vomits. Yeah. Do you concur? Yeah, I would agree, because if I was in his position... Oh, sorry, wait. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an idiot. I forgot that's a line in the movie. Oh, I thought you were just asking me. You're taking it so seriously. (laughs) I thought you were just asking my opinion. When have I ever said concur? I don't know. My dad says it all the time, so like when people say it, I just don't really think anything of it. Oh, boy. My dad's always like, ah... I concur. Like, I just... It's not, not weird to me. But Amy Adams confesses to Frank that when she was 16, she had a, to quote the vine, abortion. Ooh, double homicide. <laughs> um, and he's like, want to get married? That's the, that's the natural reaction. Immediately, I'm sobbing. Um... And then he gets introduced to her father, Martin Sheen. It's not his name, but the actor is Martin Sheen. His name is Roger Strong. Mm. Also, Amy Adams' character's name is Brenda Strong in this movie. (gasps) Wait. One sound away from Brenda Song. Yeah. Thought that was fun. Um. And he tells the dad after giving, saying grace, and giving the mouse thing again to my phone. I'm so sick of the mouse thing. I have heard it so many <laughs> times by this point in the movie. I don't know why I remember it from somewhere. It's probably this movie, but it's like stuck in my head. I'm traumatized. I'm done yeah, with the mice. You're traumatized. Your dog is whimpering. Stop. You I'm are so, so over this. I'm not over the movie. No, I mean, you're over the saying. Oh, yeah, I am over the saying. Well, too bad. Two mice fall into a bucket of cream. One mice, the first mice, immediately gives up and drowns. But the second mouse, he kicks so hard, he turns that cream into butter. He's built different. He is. He's got that dog in him. Not the dog. Oh, my God. I told one of my coworkers about how I went to the gym one time and a guy started barking. And they're like, oh, that's because he's got that dog in him. What? Why would a man stop barking? I don't know, Dan. All of a sudden, there was barking happening, just like it's happening in my house right now. (laughs) So he takes the Louisiana bar exam and passes and becomes a 
a district, an assistant district attorney. Listen, this guy is smart. Yes. I mean, I know we already know that at this point in the movie, but like, you have to be smart to not have taken a single class, but still know and understand enough to take the bar exam and pass. And that is that is Carl's question after he is arrested the whole time. How'd you take? How'd you pass the bar exam? How'd you cheat the bar exam? His answer: He studied for two weeks and passed. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. I've never even tried to take the Louisiana State Bar Exam. I don't plan to ever take any bar exams, to be honest with you. I'm. This is not the Elwood's life for me. No. Um. At Frank and Brenda's engagement party, which is the uh, where you were talking about peak whiteness earlier. Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> this was so cringe to me. Like, I, I know I didn't have an engagement party, really. Like, I didn't... It's not really a thing anymore, I feel like. Some people do it, some people don't. Mm-hmm. This was the most. It was. This was like a much. wedding. Yeah. Too much. It was Far too much. Far too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and Frank tells Brenda that he's been lying this whole time. He shows her these suitcases full of cash. Um, and then tells her to meet at the Miami airport two days later. Um, I'm crying. Anna, full tears. And that's when they will escape together. And then he escapes out the window. Sobbing, screaming, crying. Two days later, at the airport, Brenda's there. But so are a ton of undercover cops. I hated that part. I wish Brenda would have just, you know, broken the law. She gave him up, so he deserts her. Sad. Truly sad. And he becomes a pilot again. And he's, he runs a recruiting drive for stewardesses. Yeah. At this local college. Which I'm wondering, at the end of this, when he gets on that flight to France, where he ends up mm-hmm. going to, mm-hmm. what happens to the stewardesses? What do they, they think? Go live their life, I guess. But they're not, They were. Ne- there was never any recruitment program. There was nothing that they could go on. What happens then literally after he gets on the plane? Did he buy them all tickets? Are Maybe. they stuck in France? They must be. Dan, I can't answer these questions for you. I tried. Uh, yeah, so he surrounds himself with uh, a meat shield of eight stewardesses. Mood. Uh, which we can all dream. <laughs> God, I also surround myself with the meat shields of other people every single day of my life. Yes. That that's a statement that should be unpacked by someone else. Well, <laughs> um, he escapes on a flight to Madrid, and then really dreams. I wish I was in Madrid right now. And then it is nineteen sixty-seven, and Carl tracks Frank down to Mont Richard in France. And isn't he like printing checks there? He's printing checks. He's, they're not just oh forgeries. God. They're legitimate checks, but they do not have any backing behind them. Oh. Um, and they have a scene. They have to catch each other. They have to catch. He has to catch him. If he can. He catches this is him. A romance between these two men. A little bit. A little, a little bit. Romantic. Um, and then he gets arrested by the French police. Um, and then he's ill, and then we're back to where we started in the movie. 
We have made it full circle. Yes. He t- he t- Frank has this whole time. He's really wanted to talk to his dad to see his dad. His dad is dead. His dad fell. That out the part stairs was sad. That part was really fucking sad for him. Yes. Because that's, you know, he looked up to his dad a lot. Um, but then Frank escapes the plane through the bathroom. Which I don't think is possible. I don't think um, it is either. Because how did he not end up covered in like that blue stuff that they put in porta potties to make it not smell? I don't know. Or like dying from lack of oxygen. That too. I guess those are the two options, right? Yeah. So he he reaches the house of his mom and she's now married, has a daughter. It's Christmas. There's this there's this idyllic life that Frank does not have and cannot have. And Sad. He realizes it and he, he gives himself up, gets sentenced to 12 years in prison. I mean, it was the best choice. Yes. His, his parents, his mom had clearly moved on. No offense. <laughs> um, Carl visits Frank sometimes. And in one visit, he shows him a fraud check he's working on. And Frank immediately figures out what's going on. And then he convinces the FBI to allow him to serve the remainder of his sentence while working for the FBI. A sweet he does gig. It. He does it, but he becomes restless. And one weekend, he doesn't know what to do. So he starts impersonating a flight attendant or a pilot again. Um, but he is intercepted by Carl at the airport in the TWA Terminal 5 at New York's JFK Airport. Mm. It's now a hotel. You can stay there. Can you really? Yeah, it's very beautiful. I um, have never been to the JFK airport. Me either, but I've seen pictures mm. just of that terminal. Um, so Frank tells him, you can go on, you can go fly, but I know you're going to be back on Monday. And he is. He's late, but he's back on Monday. And then we get a nice little text to read. And it says that, Frank has lived the past 26 years in the Midwest with his wife and sons. Good for him. And he is now as a, he's still friends with Carl and has a successful life as one of the world's leading experts on bank fraud and forgery. And that's catch me if you can. But he also like, you didn't mention this. He also like creates um, checks that are like fraud proof fraud proof companies. yeah and he makes millions of dollars yeah they pay him cool. they pay him millions of dollars to do legitimately the thing that he was arrested for yeah i think that's cool i do too and that is catch me if you can oh we made it and let me tell you what a time what a great time i love I really this like it yeah me too you texted me earlier today that you liked it much more than you remember yeah, I remember being not so hot on it, just being like, eh. And then I was watching it again, and I was like, well, I'm having a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's it's a it's a fun cat and mouse game. I think it's also because the st- it's all personal stakes. There aren't, yeah. like, life or death situations going on in this. No, and I feel like I feel so deeply for Frank because at the end of the day, he's just a kid who's going through some rough shit. Yeah, he's wistful. He is wistful. You're right. He is wistful, Dan. Um, And I think like all the performances are so good. Leonardo DiCaprio is great. This movie would not work with anyone else. I can't think DiCap. of a single other actor that could do this. DiCap's working his magic. Um, Including Jonathan Taylor Thomas. 
I have to agree with you. This role was made for decap. And Christopher Walken is great as his father and as like the because you believe you want to believe his bullshit. Yeah, you do. I mean, unfortunately, you do. Mm -hmm. And this is the only time I think that I've seen Tom Hanks as a villain. I love Tom Hanks in this role because he plays him like he's not stupid, but he's being outsmarted by a teenager and it's pissing him off. And I love it. Yes. Hand ready. How hand ready. Mm hmm. Uh, Yeah, it's great. Great casting, great acting, great directing. It's a beautiful movie to watch. It is. It's really aesthetically pleasing. Um, And that's also just part of the time period that it's set in that. Any movie set in the the sixties, it, it, that's like in the swinging sixties. Of course, it's gonna look. Even Austin Powers is fun. Please, looking at it like that. Um, I do have some trivia for you, and one ready. very large piece of trivia that I will save till the end. Okay, I'm ready. Um, so France, the scene set in France, were filmed in Montreal and Quebec City, Canada. Because it was easier to do that France than to go to France. France yeah, Jr. Looks France Jr. Um, mm-hmm. So this is considered a career resurrection, sort of, for Leonardo DiCaprio. This and Gangs of New York. Um, because both of them showed that he was more than just the pretty face in Titanic and like the pretty boy actor from before. Um, Even though he had already been nominated for an Oscar for What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Mm -hmm. Um, But But he was little when he did that. Yeah. And and this kind of broke him out from being typecast, even though he didn't really, he wasn't really all that typecast, but like being typecast as like the teen heartthrob in Titanic and like the basketball diaries and Romeo plus Juliet. Oh, I love Romeo plus Juliet. (gasps) No. Yes. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio is 27 years old when they filmed the movie Mm -hmm. Uh, and which is funny because Frank Abagnale looked way older than his age versus how Leonardo DiCaprio looked way younger than he actually was he looked like a baby for sure Um, but he's always had a baby face even as like a full blown 48 year old man like underneath his beard he's got a baby face yeah uh, Johnny Depp was the original choice. Ooh, interesting. And James Gandolfini was originally supposed to play Carl. Oh, He's the guy from The Sopranos. I know exactly who that is. Yeah, he didn't die. I mean, he died later. Sure? He, yeah, he died like 10 years ago. Yeah, but he didn't die when they were making this movie. He was making. No. He, he had to drop out because they were making The Sopranos. No, I'm pretty sure he had a pretty like ugly death, though. Hmm. I choose not to think about that. That's fair. <laughs> um, so the film rights were first sold in 1980. And they were making a movie at Disney. And that it was being made at TriStar Pictures. And then DreamWorks. Um, and David Fincher was originally attached to direct this. Which would have been Ooh. very different. Yeah. Uh, but he dropped out to make Panic Room. Okay, okay. And then 
in 2000, Leonardo DiCaprio signed on and Gore Verbinski signed on to direct, who directed the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy mm-hmm. and Rango. Is that the one with the, the lizard? Yeah. Interesting. But then due to scheduling conflicts, um, Verbinski had to drop out. So then he offered the job to Milos Foreman. Who's directed a bunch of who directed hair. Very long list of people yes, that it passed through. And then he, he also directed Amadeus. Mm-hmm. Um, and he considered hiring Cameron Crowe to direct. Mm-hmm. Who made almost famous. Um, but then. Spielberg hired himself to direct. Mood. Yeah. And. The big piece of trivia that I have for you is people, independent historians have researched this. Mm -hmm. This is nowhere near true. Yes, you mentioned that, which I'm like, why? What's the point then? The biggest con of all that Frank Abagnale Jr. has been able to play is selling this story. And he's wiping his tears away from laughing so hard with $100 bills. Right. So. Records show that Frank Abagnale Jr. was in Great Meadow Prison in New York between the ages of 17 and 20 from 1965 to 1968. And before that, he was in the Navy for three months. Six weeks after he was released from prison in New York, he was rearrested in Baton Rouge and was jailed there. And then in June 1969, was convicted of stealing from a local family and small businesses in Baton Rouge. He did dress as a Pan Am pilot for a brief period in fall of 1970, and he was arrested in Cobb County, Georgia. And federal court records associated with the conviction showed he cashed only 10 personal checks dressed up with Pan Am Airlines logo, totaling less than $1,500. I'm stunned. He was never a doctor. Uh, then where did... journal a, a journalist was unable to find that Abagnale ever worked with the FBI. Then why is he friends with... I'm stunned. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, I genuinely don't understand, Dan. It is it is a story. That's it. Oh no. The biggest that's the no biggest fun. con of all. Uh, I think I I think this adds a whole another dimension to the movie. It does because the whole thing's fake and you're led to believe it's true. Well, it's a fantasy. The whole movie is a fantasy. The whole movie's a lie, Dan. (laughs) I've been duped. I've been had. The fact that he is able or has been able to sell this story and people, I mean, part of the reason it worked is because the same reason that are given in the movie, the, the disconnection between society. Yeah, I, 
I'm stunned. Truly, I am stunned. Like, obviously, I thought there was some embellishment. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think it was the whole thing was fabricated. The entire thing. Oh, that takes all the fun out of it. Well, it's a good story. <laughs> it's uh, a good story. There are a bunch of articles that I could send you, but basically that's it. He got on to tell the truth um, because after he got out of prison, a parole officer encouraged him to tell a story of being a transformed man. Oh. Um, and he started giving small, small lectures, but his tales grew larger and larger. And then he ended up on to tell the truth. There was no fact checking on to tell the truth. So this is all just big fish stories that he created. Basically, yeah. Oh man! There That's is a, a newspaper article from 1978 in the San Francisco Chronicle, um, <laughs> with the headline "Johnny is Conned: Who's A Convict Johnny? Who Makes Up Crimes." Johnny Carson, because Frank Abagnale oh. Jr. was on the Johnny Carson show. Oh, yeah. Wow. His his claims were investigated and debunked. That's wild. That's what Dan, I literally am going to be sitting here in silence like that SpongeBob meme where he goes to the <laughs> restaurant. And he has a cup of coffee in front of him. That's going to be me for the rest of the night. There was another article in the Daily Oklahoman by a different journalist, mm-hmm. um, but they stayed local and they never went anywhere. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's the story. Sorry. And no one from the FBI has ever made a public statement about what Abagnale has or hasn't done for them. So he's he might some, not have even done the checks. He's given some guest lectures at the Academy, but he makes these outlandish claims in the media. He claims to teach ethics at the FBI. Which clearly is a fake. Lies. Slander. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's incredible. Well, I'm going to go cry myself to sleep now knowing that that story is not true. Oh, good. I thought it was so cool. Okay, well. <laughs> well sorry sorry to shatter the illusion. Okay, Dan. I'll forgive you this one time. Jester's mad, though. Can you hear her? I can. She's been barking. Mm-hmm. She's, She's been barking. Uh, would this movie be better or worse than the same? You already answered it with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Worse. We already Gelsier. agreed. Yeah. I, we agreed. Uh, Jimmy Stewart as Carl Hanratty. As Frank <laughs> oh, elderly Jimmy Stewart as Frank. Yeah, as um, seventeen-year-old Frank. It, worse as Frank, mm-hmm. I think the same with him as Carl, though. I think he can. You think so? He, he wouldn't have the accent, but he has the same energy. The same like energy. A younger, a younger Jimmy Stewart, kind of like a Mr. Smith goes to Washington age. Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> I think it would work. Okay, okay, I can see it when he was spry. Don't mock me. Don't mock me. Don't no, laugh. I can see it. I, I'm only laughing a little. Um, on a scale of one to five stewardess meat shields, what do you give it? Four. Even Four, though I okay. now know that it's not true. I still love the movie. I had a great time. I just, it's a good story. I mean, even if it is not true, it's just a good, like, if this was not quote unquote based in fact, it would still be a great story. Even if Steven yes. Spielberg was like, I made this up entirely. Yes. Um, before I give my score, there were a couple of things that I forgot to mention. Um, 
like most good, great Steven Spielberg movies that aren't about war, um, this movie is also about divorce. Um, oh, was Spielberg he going is... through something again? No, but his parents divorced when he was a kid, and, and it's about oh. uh, he's a child of divorce, and you could tell when he makes movies about it. And like I said before, it's a Christmas movie because there are scenes set around Christmas and it has this entirely wistful sense the entire time. Yeah, it, I agree with you. I mean, once they start everything big happening at Christmas, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, I get why Dan picks this one. I get it again. I get it. It's all here. I it's making get sense. It. Uh, I give it a five out of five. Five Whoa, shield stewardesses. Four. Um, of so on Letterboxd, you can set like your top four favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first of the four that we have covered on this podcast. Wow, I feel so excited to have covered one of your faves. And it's incredible. I, I think it's just covering quiz show. Well, just throw me into the riff for that. We'll see. Chop me up and strike me down. Uh, it's it, it's it has it everything. It is everything that I want in a movie. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that it does. Me too. Anyway, that's it for this week's episode of In Conclusion. If you want to support us, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at and In Conclusion on Instagram at In Conclusion Podcast, um, and a Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/InConclusion. I am on Twitter at Dan O'Keefe eighty six and on TikTok at Not Dan O'Keefe. Anna, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Anonymous Prime 818, or you can find me on Twitter at Autobots Roll Out, capital O for Auto, capital B for Bots, capital R for Roll in the O and Roll in the O and Out our zeros. Or you can follow my naughty, loud, vocal, aggressive <laughs> dog, Jester, on Instagram at JesterThePup1017, no caps, nothing, nothing fancy, just pictures of naughty dogs. Do that. We will be back next week. We're continuing the Christmas movies. We're talking about Elf. We're going to watch Elf. We're going to have fun with Elf. I cannot wait. It's going to be an elfing good time. My grandma used to love Elf. I can't wait. Get ready for that. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, have fun, and get vaccinated. Bye-bye. We've been talking this whole time. Say bye. (laughs) She put her head away. Bye-bye. And now I'm like, eh.